Hello and welcome back to Lauren Robert's Left Peg, the Newcastle United podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and I'm joined by the brilliant Harry De Cosimo. Welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? Hi, Harry. Good, uh, good to be back and looking forward to getting into the topic of conversation again. Absolutely. And a big thank you to those of you who did tune into episode one and for your amazing feedback. I'm really chuffed to see some of the reviews and some of your comments coming through. Makes it worthwhile. Um, and I'm sure Harry echoes that as well. So thank you for listening. Keep listening. Keep leaving us reviews. Keep sending us in your questions. And follow us on Twitter as well at LRLP Podcast. Uh, that's Lauren Robert's Left Peg Podcast. A little bit too long for a Twitter name, so we, should, we thought we'd cut it down. Additionally, if you've got any questions going forward, you can email us at lrlppodcast at gmail.com and we'll pick up some of those as well going forward. Now, Harry, let's talk about this takeover. Um, it's been not just the talk of the tune, but the talk of the town in, in, in general, because in football, not much is going on at the moment. This is one of the real, real big stories. As far as we understand, the takeover is still with the Premier League. Am I right in saying that? Yes, uh, we should have within uh, the next few days, potentially week. It is that close now? Um, the you know, there's been no hitches. All of the stuff that we talked about last week, um, you know, the being sports and the and the you know Amnesty International and, and those sorts of things, and um, you know all that. It, it's not it's not likely to to make any issues. Everybody's still confident. It is literally just a few days away now. Which um, which is bound to get a lot of Newcastle supporters excited. It's almost time for the cans, Harry. Almost time for the cans. <laughs> almost time for the cans. Yeah, if but, you just all you need to do is just, hash, just search hashtag cans on Twitter, and it's just full of Newcastle supporters with pictures of actual cans of beer in the fridge, ready to go. I've actually yeah, noticed that. I've I've really noticed that the last few days. Ever since you mentioned that to me, I've been doing a bit of work on Newcastle United this week. And it keeps coming up. I keep seeing it. And every time I see it, I think of you and I have a little laugh to myself because um, I wasn't aware of that prior to, yeah. to us well, kicking off this podcast. It's funny because the the hashtag cans literally, it's almost become double, it's almost a double meaning now. Hashtag cans literally means, as I said, beer and, you know, getting it out at the right time. But it's almost become a signal of something. So if if it's hashtag cans time, then it's time to celebrate. It doesn't necessarily mean specifically even though it you know it's kind of got that double meaning which is it's just brilliant to see the way it's it's developed and it's 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 developed over a long time because as i say you know it's, it's been two and a half years since mike Ash has put the club on on the market and um two and a half years of hashtag cans potentially no potentially no and now it's got to the stage where you know everybody is just about to get them out out of the fridge and you'll see a lot of photos on twitter and all you know all that sort of thing. And, and, you know, that's, as I say, that's really exciting. Well, when the announcement is eventually made, I'm sure there'll be plenty of cans being cracked open in the Northeast, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, as I'm sure there are plenty of cans being consumed up and down the country at the moment because people are bored, people are stuck at home. And this story has, I guess, brought some excitement to the world of football, even from a neutral perspective. And um, we, we spoke last week at length about some of the issues that, that, the club or those proposing the takeover of the club could face in regards to their troubles with being sports to some of the human rights stuff as well. And I've been having a think about this um, over the last week or so. And I was listening to TalkSport earlier on today. I think it was today or yesterday. And Simon Jordan made a really, really great point. And he was talking about how it would be so hypocritical for the Premier League to say, actually, 
we're not going to, you know, sell to a Saudi Arabian consortium or Saudi Arabian backed consortium. Given that the English government do so many deals with Saudi Arabia, our top boxers have been to Saudi Arabia to fight um, in recent times. It just feels like if they were to change their stance now, you know, they could be seen as hypocritical. And so, you know, perhaps it's 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 one way or the other, isn't it, Harry? You either deal with them or you don't. Yeah, I think that, uh, again, I spoke to an, an activist last week, Nicholas McGeehan, and I've spoken at length with um, people who love Newcastle and support Newcastle, including my own family. And the thing that's come back is this is an all or nothing type thing. Um, you know, Nicholas wasn't suggesting that the Newcastle takeover shouldn't go ahead on its own. He was saying if, if the Newcastle takeover doesn't go ahead, the Manchester City one, the Chelsea one, you know, all these these ones that have previously had issues, they're all issues together. So I understand that point, uh, you know, about the hypocrisy. The one last thing I want I want to say on the human rights thing, though, is when um, the fiancé of Jamal uh, Khashoggi releases a statement, uh, it's nothing to do with Newcastle United. She, she doesn't have an, an agenda against Newcastle United. She is the fiancé of somebody who was m- allegedly murdered by these people. So, you know, Newcastle supporters hounding her on Twitter and suggesting that it's some sort of, you know, consp- you know issue that's that's to do with them is, is silly and... Um, and I really want to put my thoughts on record that I really strongly dis- disagree with that completely. Uh, I mentioned Amnesty International, I mentioned Nicholas McGeehan, but specifically with the fiancé of, of Jamal Khashoggi, she, of all these people, it has an absolute right to say what she wants to say about this. And that needs to be, she needs to be left alone. This has nothing to do with her. Absolutely. And I think that, that needs to be said. But other than that, yeah, I completely understand the point about hypocrisy you know, the arms dealer thing and, and you know, the government and there's pictures of Theresa May meeting uh, Bin Salman and the Queen meeting Bin Salman. So it, it goes beyond Newcastle United. That doesn't necessarily mean to suggest that Newcastle United don't have, you know, this takeover doesn't have a part to play, isn't part of the puzzle. But, you know, um, in reality, even Nicholas admitted that the bolt, the, the horse has bolted uh, on this and, and there is a degree of hypocrisy if you're singling out this one deal, um, but the you know, it's it's very it's 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 you can talk the thing about this is you can talk about it forever. Um, so you either have to make and as I said last week, you have to have you either have to make a choice on where, on which way you stand on it. So you know, uh, and and whoever make whatever way you decide to go, that's the way you go. And I think you know that that's got to be it. Absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent agree with you, Harry. Um, let's talk about some of the the other stories that I guess involve the takeover. Well, they do involve the takeover, but are separate to the issue of the Premier League checks that are currently ongoing. Let's talk about the managerial situation now. Last week we spoke at length about what the future may hold for Steve Bruce and that his days um, at St James's Park could be numbered. It's probably a bit unfair. Um, that was kind of the conclusion that we came to, um, given what he's done so far, but. How do you feel as and put your journalist hat to one side for a minute as a fan that the club are being linked with the likes of Maurizio Pochettino, a really really ambitious young coach um, who done a fantastic job at Spurs and you know I don't want to sound like I'm being disrespectful to Newcastle but prior to this takeover um, he would have been looking at a much higher grade of job, wouldn't he? So are you surprised to hear him linked with Newcastle United and are you excited? By the, I guess the prospect of him maybe coming. 
yes, absolutely excited. Uh, just to put everything that you've said into context there, Harry, it was on Sky uh, this morning. Pete Graves is a, a well-respected guy in, in Tyneside and, and um, you know, as a supporter himself and has great links um, in the North East, uh, said that Pochettino is a target. Uh, 19 million a year, which is a staggering amount of money. That would make him the, I think they said, the third highest paid manager in, on the planet behind uh, Simeone and uh, Guardiola. Um, and he's keen to come, you could argue, probably because of that, that that wage packet. I mean, who wouldn't perk their ears up at that? Um, but in terms of the the prospect, you know, I, I agree he would have been in for a higher calibre of job. And, you know, Real Madrid and uh, Bayern Munich had jobs that he was being previously linked with Juventus and PSG, obviously as a as an ex PSG player. Um, these are the kind of jobs he's been linked with, and, and they are the sort of he is that caliber manager. He is one of the best in the world, no doubt. But actually, from the way he works, I would suggest that you know a, a, a job like Newcastle with money, which is effectively like to- exactly the same as what he had at Tottenham, but with even more scope to succeed because the thing that stopped him succeeding at Tottenham was, you know, going, you know, not being able to go that extra mile in the transfer market. That isn't a problem here. Uh, whereas at Real Madrid, he wouldn't be able to do the, get to the nitty gritty, get to the, the, the grassroot level, if you like, of the coaching side, which is what he, he, you know, he is so good at. So I think, you know, and, and for Newcastle, I, I wrote a piece that it, there's a long building process that needs to be done at Newcastle. And he's the man to, probably the, the ideal man to do it because and what's really interesting is you know over the last three years there's, n- there's been nobody else for the job other than Rafa Benitez Rafa Benitez is the second man in in line if, if uh, Pochettino isn't or isn't attained attainable um, and but the, but the interesting thing is the shift in the attitude of Newcastle supporters who are now looking at it and going we love Rafa we love what he did but if there's an opportunity to go and get a young hungry coach, as you said, Harry, then we have to look at it, you know, in the way that Rafa's days at the very top, which is where Newcastle are now going to aim to be, rather than just in the top eight, six, you know, six to eight teams, which is what they were previously dreaming of, then, you know, Benitez's days at the top are arguably 10 to 15 years ago now. So, But Harry, um, and I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate here for, for the benefit of the conversation. Yeah. Is there not an argument that Mauricio Pochettino, as well as he done at Spurs, he didn't actually win anything. If Newcastle were aiming for the very, very top, um, you know, as you're saying, is it is there an argument that somebody like Rafa Benitez, or maybe not even him, maybe somebody else with a more extensive uh, list of honours, I guess, would be a better option than Maurizio Pochettino? You said yourself he's a rebuilder. He's somebody who builds good teams with limited resources. That's what he's done in the two previous Premier League jobs that he's had. So is there an argument that Benitez or somebody more experienced and more of a winner, I guess, than Maurizio Pochettino would be a better option than him? Absolutely, um, because you've only got to look at Benitez's record. And Benitez, don't you know understands what is needed at Newcastle. As I say, I mentioned that I wrote a piece about uh, on Forbes.com this week about, you know, forget signing Coutinho, Cavani, all these players that we'll get into later that Newcastle have been linked with and all that. Uh, you know, when 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 you look at the state of the training ground and you look at the state of, of the state of the club that Ashley is leaving, leaving them in, um, you need somebody to go in on the management level and the ownership level to understand 
what the situation they are inheriting is. Nobody gets that more than Benitez. And the, and the fact that Benitez was really looking at that and talking about it constantly for three years will be, you know, that will fill Newcastle fans with confidence. The, the, I completely take your point and I agree with it to a degree, but I'm, convi- I'm convinced that with that, extra, with, the, with that extra money that Pochettino would have won something at Tottenham. And, um, you know, I, I, he got criticised for never winning the League Cup or the FA Cup, but for me, he had the right approach in that he, he didn't shelve those trophies, but he, but he focused on the Premier League and, and, the, and the Champions League, even though he was, not, he was less likely to win them with the, with the, um, the money and, and, the, and the budgets and all that and that also, he had at his disposal. Also, so, you've got to take into his account, and this was a problem that I guess Arsenal were, were accused of having as well. When Pete, you know, Arsenal went through that period of nine years or so without winning a trophy. And like you said, it's because... From a club ownership perspective, it is far more beneficial to qualify for the UEFA Champions League season after season over a consecutive number of years than it is to go and win a FA Cup or a League Cup. And so I think you're absolutely right. I, I take that point in regards to Pochettino having to prioritise, well, choosing to prioritise the league in the Champions League. But I can also guarantee you that the powers that be upstairs would have been pushing him in that direction as well. Yeah, and I think we should qualify all of this by saying that it is still very, very surreal that Newcastle supporters and people who are covering Newcastle are now talking in these terms. One, that the, because the takeover isn't officially done yet, but even it's going to take a long time to be able to not look at somebody like Rafa Benitez in the in and 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 you know in the because previously when Rafa Benitez was in charge, the the other option was. Steve McLaren before him, and obviously after Steve Bruce, there was no reason to compare with with and you know contrast against Rafa Benitez with Pochettino. There's a reason to compare and contrast. So all of the arguments that with Rafa Benitez getting the job and keeping the job and coming back are absolutely still there. The trophies, the connection, and all that stuff is all absolutely still there. But Pochettino has certain things that will help him. Because there were a couple of criticisms on the part of the um, <clears throat> on Benitez's part when he was here. One was the style of football that he played it didn't please everybody, and two was is to a degree his man management with certain players. Pochettino is very very good at both of those things. So and so I think that there is absolutely argument on both sides for Rafa Benitez to come back. For Pochettino to come back, most Newcastle fans would be like, take your pick. I don't really mind. They would prefer one or the other, but you know, whatever happens will be a benefit. Personally, I was really excited today to hear that Pochettino was a target. I thought ideally because he can he he can he can guide the club from A to B. Whereas, you know, if you if you took someone like Max Allegri, for example, um, he's only ever been successful in his career with very good teams. A bit like people have questioned Carlo Ancelotti in the same way, that he's only ever succeeded uh, in his career when he's taken already good teams and fulfilled their potential. That's a bit like what Allegri is. So I would prefer, if you if, if you want me to make a decision on who I'd, who I'd want, I would probably want Pochettino for the reasons I've said. Benitez would be a brilliant acquisition too, but I would have more questions if Max Allegri was put forward as he has been in, in conversation as a more realistic option, I think. Uh, long-winded, long-winded answer to your question is, 
there is absolutely arguments on both sides for Benitez and for Pochettino. Absolutely. And guys, let us know what you think. Uh, hit us with a tweet, LRLP podcast, or you can email us LRLP podcast at gmail.com. Let us know who you'd like to see coming as the next Newcastle United manager. Now, it sounds a little bit disrespectful, doesn't it? It feels a little bit disrespectful, actually, talking about Steve Bruce's successor before he's even had a chance to complete this season. But I mean, this takeover could be so huge for this football club and the direction of travel in which this football club is heading that, you know, it would be, in my opinion, and I don't know if you agree with this, Harry, is it naive to think that Steve Bruce has a chance of holding on to this job beyond the end of this season? No, because if you look at Manchester City, then Steve, then, uh, sorry, Mark Hughes did for, as I said last week, about a year to 18 months. I would make the point that Mark Hughes was a, a standard mid-table to top off Premier League manager before. He'd done very good at good things at Blackburn beforehand. He'd earned the job at Manchester City on merit, uh, which is something that I don't think anyone actually suggests that Steve Bruce did. He's kept it on merit because of what he's done this season and he deserves that opportunity to finish the season. The thing that's bothering me most with the Steve Bruce thing is that Mike Ashley hasn't been in touch with him uh, according to certain reports. There's been no contact that he is just finding out what's happening um, via the media. And I think that's incredibly disrespectful. That's something he doesn't deserve. Um, to answer your question, I don't think it is um, completely naive to suggest that because um, Mark, based on what, what happened with Mark Hughes, and there are no official plans um, to make, you know, no moves have been made. Nobody's said anything. You know, Pochettino may have been sounded out, but the, there hasn't been an official approach or anything like that. Obviously, there's still the gardening leave situation that he's on with Spurs as well, which might throw a couple of spies in the works. But um, to be honest, I, I think I'd be very surprised if if Steve Bruce kept his job. And as I said last week, um, he went into this job with the club on the market. He went into this job with um, amid a, a, the back end of a you know of a takeover storm. Uh, with a different group um, and he came into then and the club was, has remained on the market Ashley has remained open to selling it so his this from his perspective he must have you know accepted there was a possibility that this could happen anyway so I think that the likelihood of him staying is, is remote but you know who knows um, because I think uh, for me he certainly deserves the chance to finish the season and then will you know a clean slate I, I think you if you're Looking at throwing 200, 100 to 150, 200 million at a squad, do you want to give that to Pochettino, Benitez, or whoever, or one of these big name managers, or do you want to give that to Steve Bruce? I think when you look at it like that and you look at it coldly, it comes the, the, the case for Bruce becomes a little bit more difficult to make. Absolutely. Also, Harry, as well, when you think about you know, the way of the world at the moment, the, the coronavirus has obviously um, caused many to lose their lives. It's having a huge economic impact as well. And ordinarily, had we been talking about this takeover, you know, maybe six months ago, I would have said to you that even with the investment, even with uh, the new, more ambitious owners, shall we say, it would have taken a bit more time for, for Newcastle United to close the gap on the top sides. Do you think that the coronavirus crisis and the financial implications it may have uh, on some of these clubs will make it easier for Newcastle to close that gap in a shorter amount of time? I mean, who knows? The, the, I think the, the question remains throughout this entire pandemic. Every question 
you know, in terms of economics, in terms of just society, in terms of when the, you know, you know, a normal life and football, everything is, who knows? Who knows when the season's going to restart, restart, whether it's going to restart? Who knows, you know, um, whether the Euros will actually still go ahead? All of these questions, it's all who knows. So nobody knows. Nobody even knows when the, whether the transfer window is going to be affected by this. There's been, no, uh, there's been a lot of people asking that question, but very little in terms of an answer. So, as I say, who knows? Um, I, I think that Newcastle need... Newcastle specifically... Uh, one of the things I said in the piece was, um, if you look at Newcastle, it's, it's all it's all fine and good saying that they've, they've got the stadium, they're a one-club city, um, they've got a fan base that's ready to go, they have got the history, and they've got everything ready to to, to challenge. On you know, but that's all all that does is is create potential and opportunity, which is what a lot of people have spoken about. The reality of the situation is, you've got teams like Bournemouth, you've got teams like Brighton. You've got teams like, forget Wolves, Leicester and Everton and West Ham who have already been spending money to try and push the gap, uh, close the gap to the top six. Um, you've got you know teams below that bracket who are still ahead of Newcastle. Now, I said in that piece, if Brighton or Bournemouth got taken over, even with by a level of consortium with the wealth that, that these guys do, would you be automatically be saying that Koulibaly and Cavani and Coutinho and Champions League football, all these things that have been mentioned... You wouldn't probably say that straight away for a club like Brighton or Bournemouth, but the reality is they are probably about as big as Newcastle. If you take away the stadium and all of the things off the pitch away, they are about the size of Newcastle. So there has to be a longer-term plan um, with the end game of Champions League and the end game of glory and all that sort of thing, but there has to be realistic steps. Newcastle, I was watching for uh, the season reviews of 2002-2003, Bobby Robson's Champions League era, and they were talking about the training ground that was newly created then, and it looks exactly the same. It's not been touched. So that was 15 years ago. So that is the level of thing that Newcastle need to to, to focus on, let alone the coronavirus, whether that will have an impact or not. I can't see it. If it does have a positive impact, as you were sort of implying, it will not have the po- a, posit- a big enough positive impact to really close the gap, to, so it's possible for Man for Newcastle to be above or challenging at least Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, all of those clubs within the next three years. I personally think Newcastle, if they're if they're anywhere, they've got to be battling Wolves, Leicester, or Leicester have pushed the, the boat a little bit this year, but Wolves, Leicester, Everton, Arsenal, maybe Tottenham, who are you know the, the bottom of that top six for the next for the foreseeable future before they can think of of anything beyond that, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I think it is going to be a slower process. I just wondered if that those extra finances, that extra financial muscle may help close that gap that little bit quicker. I think you make a great point about the likes of Bournemouth, Brighton, for example. But for me, when I look at takeovers like this, or I look at clubs like Newcastle United, and as you guys will know, I'm, I'm not a Newcastle fan, but... You know, you look at Newcastle United, you see passion, you see love for a club. Like you mentioned, it's a, a one one club city. Um, you cannot manufacture those things. So y- you can invest in a team and you can make a team to a certain level. But take Bournemouth, prime example. You, you mentioned them. They can buy whoever they want to buy, but they're still only going to get ha- however many thousand a week. I- I'm not sure how many they get, but I know it's not much. You know, Below 20,000. 
it's below exactly and I, they're only ever going to get that because the off the field stuff that you mentioned isn't there and there is no potential for that to grow whereas when you look at clubs like Newcastle United you look at clubs like Leeds United who are nowhere near where they should be in terms of their size of a club as an investor they appeal to you because you feel like half of the components that you need to become a superpower are already there and that's where Newcastle have the advantage over some of these other clubs and so I think that's why they're the I guess they're one of the clubs that these kind of people would be looking at and that's why they've decided to push forward we were talking earlier in the week me and you on a whatsapp conversation about Kevin Keegan's famous rant 24 years ago now um one of my favorite Newcastle United moments um growing up as an Arsenal supporter I absolutely hated Sir Alex Ferguson with a passion um and so seeing anybody stick it to him whether it was Kevin Keegan having a rant or Rafa Benitez when he pulled out his uh, infamous piece of paper and started talking about the facts um it, it all goes down brilliantly with me I, I enjoyed it all um Keegan's been in the news for some other reasons because there are suggestions that he could return to the club in an ambassadorial role. What do you make of that? First of all, um, I, I agree with you about the Kevin Keegan rant thing. Um, you, as an Arsenal fan, will know how far Sir Alex Ferguson could go in his mind games. And the thing that happened there, specifically for the listeners who might not be aware of, of the nuances, they, they might... You know, everyone's aware of the soundbite of I, I would love it if we beat them. But what ha- what led to that um, was a get was Newcastle were getting um, were get, had been clawed back in the title race, having had a twelve point lead in nineteen ninety six. Uh, Manchester United played Leeds in middle in the middle of April, um, and they beat them one nil with a last minute Roy Keane goal. But Leeds had played uh, very well. Sir Alex Ferguson then went to the press and said basically that Leeds should be much higher higher in the league. And the fact that they played much better against Manchester United, he felt that they were cheating their manager, is what he said. Um, and then said, you watch them play Newcastle in a couple of weeks' time and you see the difference. And then Newcastle played them and beat them 1-0. Keith Gillespie scored, ironically, an ex-Manchester United player. Uh, and Ferguson, I think, had also said something about Nottingham Forest, who Newcastle played the following Thursday. That was a Monday night, the Newcastle-Leeds game. There was a Thursday game um, as a game in hand, at Nottingham Forest and then the Sunday was the end of the season Newcastle were playing Tottenham and they drew uh, Manchester United playing and obviously won, won the title at Middlesbrough and he'd said something along the lines of basically that both Nottingham Forest and Leeds were more focused on Manchester United not winning the title than they were on their own gain and Keegan just lost it you could see you know his finger started wagging before you could see his brain <laughs> clocking it was and the brilliant thing about the, the Keegan rant and the brilliant thing about that team is it shows how loved Keegan is, how, you know, because and how loved that team was and that era was at Newcastle because a lot of the things that sort of Newcastle get remembered for fondly, even the 4-3 defeat to Liverpool that season. Um, and that Which rant, I watched yesterday, <laughs> incidentally. I watched it back yesterday. But, but, but the thing about these games are, um, with, with, you know, and, and these things, this whole area with Newcastle, it's, 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 effectively, it's a story of failure. And Newcastle fans, you know, are actually, they don't like watching the Liverpool game because it hurts them, it hurts them and stuff. But they get remembered fondly for having played in that game. And the rant is remembered fondly because it's a peak moment of Kevin Keegan being Kevin Keegan. So it goes down to sort of this sort of iconic sort of, 
you know, like it would be if it was a if it was a piece of art, it'd be put in a museum type thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and that's what made that you know that shows how how popular and how loved that Keegan team was. The second everybody's second favorite team and stuff. And I personally think he'd gone Ferguson had gone too far with saying what he'd said. I think that you know the the the, the rant starts with. Some of a lot's been said in the last couple of weeks. Some of it almost slanderous, and I think that's not too far wrong to suggest that players are not trying in certain games and trying trying more in others. Um, but it's it's very but that but that Keegan team is 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 loved, but and Keegan is loved partly because of that rant. Um, I spoke to a couple. I've spoken to a couple of the players in that team and asked them what they thought of the rant. What they, you know, whether they agreed they were on the team bus watching it, and they were all for it. They were all for, yeah. you know, they were they were ready to to see somebody stick it back to Sir Alex Ferguson. And as an Arsenal fan, Harry, and and having watched and as a fan and you know a, a broadcaster and journalist on both sides of the fence, you must have been a, you must be more aware than most of the the heat that Sir Alex Ferguson can create. Some of the stuff he said about Arsene Wenger, absolutely uh, over the years was it was again it was. It's crazy that he he, could, he would even go that far, and it showed you know it showed that he he put winning above everything else, which is to be admired. Um, but I think yeah, certainly, um, I think you always knew you always knew when Sir Alex Ferguson was rattled by somebody when he'd come out in full attack of them. That's how Absolutely. you knew that he was concerned about somebody. And he said it since, you know, he, he's spoken about sort of you know in particular with the Arsene Wenger scenario that he thought bloody hell who's this guy he's come along you know he's completely revolutionized things and he's taking me on and you know i thought we were past this i thought that we were sort of away and head and shoulders above everyone else and i guess he felt threatened by keegan now i digress a little bit but i had the opportunity of meeting kevin keegan um it's a silly story really he was filming a advert for espn do you remember when espn used to show premier league football yeah yeah Um, he was filming. He was filming an advert with Ray Stubbs in a barber shop where Ray Stubbs was cutting his hair. Um, I don't know if you ever remember that advert. It was a silly little advert. Um, and basically, long story short, the barber shop that they filmed that advert in belonged to a friend of my dad's, a massive football fan. And he called us up and he said, "Guys, guys, Kevin Keegan and Ray Stubbs are going to be here all afternoon filming an advert. Come down." And uh, we went down to the shop. We got to spend lots of time with them talking and Kevin Keegan was so open, so honest. And, you know, we were both having a laugh and a joke about Sir Alex Ferguson. And I loved that. Kevin Keegan went up in my books 10 times uh, just from that conversation. So, you know, he's someone that I hugely admire, hugely respect. And I think as an ambassador for the club or any role in any capacity, I think it will only be a positive yeah, I'm, I'm reading his book at the moment, actually, uh, Kevin Keegan, and it's the book starts with how he's only been back to, you know, the set. The, we just talked about the first spell and how, how, you know, he played for the club, and then his first spell as manager was was amazing, and it ended in such a mystifying, you know, crazy way that it could, only could with Kevin Keegan because he wears his heart in his sleeve. The second one is much less mystifying as to why it ended because, you know, he he took, you know, he proved Mike Ashley a liar in court. He took him to court and won. Um, and it was a it was a terrible ending to that, you know. And, and he he hasn't felt like he can connect to Newcastle United since um, since that because of Mike Ashley. He doesn't feel like it's the same club. So he'll be regardless of whether he comes back in any form, he'll be you know jumping for joy more than anybody 
um, in a professional sense that this takeover is about to happen. Uh, the book starts with him talking about how he, he's only been back to St. James's Park once and he had to do it incognito. He had to do it in a, in a disguise for a member of staff's leaving do and how, you know, he, 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 he was also Alan Shearer's statue. He went to that, but that wasn't anything to do with the club. It's not even on club grounds. And Keegan and Shearer are two people who Mike Ashley has chewed up and spat out among a number of different people. Um, whether he comes back as, as an ambassador or not, I would love him to come back as an ambassador. Pardon the uh, the quote there. Um, I think it would be great. <laughs> but, uh, it took me a few seconds to get that, but it was a good one. <laughs> but but I, that was a, that was a complete accident, to be honest. Um, but I would I, I, honestly, I think it would be fantastic. But I also think that he doesn't just being able to walk through the doors again and feel like he's welcome in the house that effectively he built because. It, it, you know, a lot of people outside of Newcastle don't get quite why. Maybe they won't understand. They'll think, well, you know, he he they, the team played well, but effectively, what you were saying about Mauricio Pochettino, he didn't win anything. Um, but it's not about winning things at Newcastle. It's about you know he put he put he put them from a few games away from relegation from the second division, and then within five years he put them on the you know on a plate next to Manchester United, um, and he'd done it. By by gifting back to the club, he was a, he was a man of the people. He gave Newcastle United Alan Shearer as a result of their season tickets, their bonds, their pie buying, you know, their match day, all those things that Newcastle fans we've spoken about before don't want to pluck into the club because it just goes to Mike Ashley's pocket. That went on to Alan Shearer. Um, he even said that in his press conference, and that's the the mark of the man. Whether he comes back in as, a, as an ambassador or not. The fact that he will feel like he's allowed back at Newcastle United again and feel welcome and feel free, that is a victory in itself. Absolutely. Um, because, because Kevin Keegan is that level of a man for Newcastle United. Um, and I think that and it doesn't often get said enough because of the way he left on both occasions, just how much he means to that club and the people around it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And fingers crossed, he, he, like you said, if he doesn't return in an official capacity, at least he'll be welcome at St. James's Park and feel as though he can go there freely and enjoy the football, the football that we're all hoping uh, we're going to see in the coming years, given that this takeaway, uh, takeaway, takeover, uh, take food on my mind, uh, that this takeover <laughs> is just around the corner. <laughs> um, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think they, they, they you know, they should... If, if whoever comes in should look look at what he did as a blueprint for what what can what can happen maybe with a, with a bit more tactical now and a bit more defensive understanding because that may have made a difference but in reality that is the that is the benchmark and the blueprint for anyone who wants to succeed at Newcastle United and do it in the their own way that's why he shouldn't come back in any sort of director role or manager role or anything like that because he's, you know, he, he it just wouldn't work in the same way. Football's moved on. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about it, possibly even moving on from Rafa Benitez at the top, it's definitely moved on from Kevin Keegan. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but, um, but that is he is the man that they should base whatever happens next on. Whether they use him or not, it doesn't really matter. Uh, in reality, as I say, just just having him back at St James's Park will be enough for a lot of people. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Harry, just finally, because just conscious of time as well, um, 
Newcastle have been linked with some pretty big name players over the last few days, as you'd expect. We know that this uh, consortium are on the verge of taking over. We know that they're very wealthy. And so naturally, there are going to be lots of stories linking the club with some of world football's top stars. A couple of the names I just want to throw at you. And I want to know what whether uh, I'm assuming you would love to see them come to Newcastle United, but whether you think these deals are feasible and, you know, whether you think that maybe this talk is a little bit premature. Khalidou Koulibaly, Napoli central defender, linked with some of the top clubs in Europe over the last few years. He's been linked with a move to Newcastle United. Do you think, A, it's feasible, uh, and B, well, not A and B, it'll be A or B. Do you think it's feasible or do you think this is a little bit premature? I think I have a feeling that all of those names that you're about to reel off, because I think I've read them all, are likely to be a bit premature. But Koulibaly is, for me, I think behind Van Dijk, probably the second best defender in the planet. Um, and but he, he loves he loves Rafa Benitez. He's written it. He's written in the Players Tribune about Rafa Benitez and the, the conversation about how uh, Rafa got him to, to leave Genk for Napoli is fantastic um, and quite humorous. Have you, I don't know if you read it, Harry, where he talks about um, hanging up the phone thinking it's a prank. Um, not actually but I will now <laughs> I'll send I'll send you after we finish here I'll send you on WhatsApp it's fantastic um, and so I think Koulibaly is, is a bit too far I think generally speaking the thing that needs to be kept whether it's through personnel or not is, is this togetherness that's built the siege mentality that's built within the squad and this togetherness and this love for each other that's developed in within the squad over the last three years since relegation because before that the club was you know the players didn't have any any sort of like cohesion before that so whether these players come in or not that's what needs to be kept Koulibaly I think to be honest for me second best defender in the world it's a bit too bit too soon to be speaking about that Fair enough. I mean, if he did come in, it would be such a huge signing and such a, I guess, a, a point of new, it would be Newcastle stamping their authority and making a real statement if they could get somebody of that, uh, you know, that stature and that profile to come in uh, from the very off. Uh, another one that they've been quite heavily linked with is Felipe Coutinho. Now, to me, this one seems a little bit more realistic given the situation that he currently finds himself in um, on loan to Bayern Munich. We know they don't want to sign him on a permanent deal. He doesn't seem to have a future at Barcelona. So I guess the door is open for him to return to the Premier League. Are Newcastle, or would Newcastle be in the running, in your opinion? When I was speaking to people and thinking about, you know, you know, as everybody does, um, gets themselves carried away, writes about all these possible 11s, the one player that I thought that would ordinarily be a bit further afield, despite what I've just said about Koulibaly, is, is Coutinho because he's available because he wants to come back to the Premier League, um, because he knows you know he's got a relationship, existing relationship with both Rafa and Pochettino, and played for them both. There's a potential thing there. Um, I think it's still in reality, you know, instantly you're going to get Champions League football elsewhere and stuff. So potentially, you know, this is the most realistic. I don't think it is very realistic, um, but you know, most of these successful takeovers. Whether you know Chelsea and Manchester City and Mo- and Monaco, which or, you, know, you could debate whether it was su- successful or not, they all had a really really big star join them early on, and Koulibaly is somebody that, that, that there is more opportunity 
to to get than there is say Koulibaly who um, who there's no pressure on Napoli to sell whereas there's a willingness for Barcelona to sell Coutinho and Bayern Munich obviously aren't, aren't particularly enamoured with, with with taking up their option personally I think he'll end up at Chelsea but uh, but I would be I'd be I, I think I'd expect Newcastle to be at least in the in the race for that one yeah. Brilliant. Harry, thank you so much. Uh, Once again, another brilliant episode. Thank you for all your insight, all your analysis and your expert opinion. Uh, Don't forget to give Harry a follow at Harry DeCosimo on Twitter. Give me a follow at Harry Simeou. That's S-Y-M-E-O-U if you don't know how to spell it. Follow the show at L-R-L-P podcast. Drop us an email as well if you like, lrlppodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review if you're listening on iTunes and subscribe on whichever platform it is that you like to enjoy your podcast from. Until next time, take care of yourself, stay safe, stay home, and we'll be back with another episode next week. And fingers crossed we'll have a takeover to announce. So until then, ciao.